Yeah. Um, so it would be so that, you know, I would, I would prefer to have this chat in person sitting in a pub somewhere in, in, um, whatever, like somewhere in Midlands, you know, um, or, or, or whatever and just chats, you know, but obviously that's not going to happen for a few months. So, um, anyway, let's get into it. Welcome to the episode 34 of Take It Easy. 3-4. Our today's guest is Mashar. He is known as Epic Winning Mars on Twitter. And amongst other things, he's, um, he's known for bringing us the UK's EV registration statistics every month. Uh, also, you know, any new charges and statistics about that sort of data analysis. Um, he's uh, he's a very popular source of that data on Twitter. Um, if you're not following him, you're missing out. Go and follow him. Give him a give him a buzz. Um, the the dudas are in the description. As the uh, also the cool kids say these days, smash that like button. Subscribe, subscribe everyone in your family. If you're listening to this on anything, give us a review. Go to iTunes, give us a five-star review. Um, if you're listening on any other network, just, you know, don't hesitate to give me the the, the highest review you can. Uh, just, you know, share, subscribe, shower me with uh, smile, smiley faces on the, um, on Twitter. And uh, without further ado... His mass. Never mind that now. Never mind that. Never mind. Why, that's me! Look at me! I'm an old man! I'm Dr. Emmett Brown. I'm standing here on the parking lot. Thank God I've still got my hair! But I need a nuclear reaction to to generate the 1.21 gigawatts of electricity. 1.21 gigawatts! 1.21 gigawatts! Yeah, so, um... Hi, uh, my name is Maz Shah. I'm known as Epic Winning Maz on Twitter. Um, so, a bit about me. I was born in Pakistan, <laughs> um, but quite some time ago. Moved here when I was very young, a little baby. Um, I studied computer science at uni, went on to be a software engineer, um, and really fell into EVs when I was learning to drive. I was looking for um, you know, what my first car could be. And I really wanted it to be an electric car. And just, you know, I, I was looking at hybrid EVs because I thought, you know, I'm assuming hybrid EVs will be cheaper, um, but I was in for a surprise. So this was back in 2017. Um, a lot of hybrids were 20, you know, like eight, eight grand, 10 grand. And then, you know, a couple of days later, I looked at EVs again just for for fun, and then I saw the Renault Zoe, and I was like, "Wow, this is only five thousand And then I learned about the battery lease, and I learned about you know all the different ele- electric car terms, and I just became fascinated in this new kind of technology. Um, and I started seeing them everywhere. Um, started looking into other cars that are coming out or were already out, like the Nissan Leaf. And kind of started spotting chargers on like on on routes as well. So I ended up getting a petrol car in the end because I couldn't. My budget was two thousand pounds, so I couldn't afford anything else. Um, and I, you know, I drove that for a year. It was a ten-year-old Hyundai i30 manual. Um, and in about back back in 2019, um, I came across some good leasing deals for an electric car. And I ended up getting the Ionic uh, in December 2019. And since then, I've been 
driving pure EVs, um, driven a number of them. Uh, We've done, I think, in total about 27,000 miles without any home charging. And uh, yeah, definitely won't be going back. But um, yeah, so EVs kind of take up a lot of who I am and, and what I do. But besides that, I've, I've always kind of been interested in technology, um, particularly, you know, that kind of disruptive technology. So things like robotics, artificial intelligence, uh, augmented reality, virtual reality, that kind of stuff. Um, and it's just fascinating because you have all these different voices and different people, um, people in business, people in like government and policy and people, the actual engineers that work on it and then the users. And I just really enjoyed like taking in all those perspectives and kind of thinking about what the future might look like um, based on everyone's opinion. So yeah, it's just fun to be curious about all this stuff. Oh yeah. Yeah. It, it's always very fun to be curious and you, you're selling a, yourself a, a little bit short in there because the, uh, you're pretty active on Twitter and well-known as in the sort of EV environments uh, or EV community, I suppose uh, we can call ourselves that. Um, and you've been very active sort of helping out people, um, you know, uh, with the, with the charging network and, uh, and its expansion improvements. I think you're, you're almost an unofficial employee of GridServe at this point. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, they certainly I, should have you on the payroll. Uh, <laughs> and, I like to think of myself as impartial. Well, I try to be, but yes, I do. <laughs> Um. Yeah, I'm. I'm always there with grid surf stuff. So, you, yeah. Um. You, you've mentioned the um. You've mentioned uh, you know the fascination with the new technologies, and obviously, you're you're a young fella, much younger than me. Um. So you're 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 you're, you're looking at things from a slightly different perspective, which I appreciate. Uh, you know, we, uh, there's a lot of when I look at people like yourself, there's a lot of exciting things happening. Um. It's not all doom and glooms, which is which is good. You know, it's this is this is what we want. Um, and you've mentioned the um, uh, the AI and robotics, and what do you think? Because you you have some background in those sort of things. You 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 know a lot about those things, right? What do you think? Yeah. What do you think AI has to offer in the future? Oh, that's a big question. Well, actually, let, let, let's let's start let's start with the um, sort of the the basics of AI because the. Uh, I think it's a term that gets gets thrown around quite a lot. Like when I was speaking of of being old, I, when I was younger, it was uh, you know um, statistical analysis was one of the the, the things. Um, there was a, a fuzzy logic was another one. Um, artificial uh, neural networks was another one. Uh, then I can't remember what was the next term, but the uh, but AI is now kind of encompassing loads of things. You know. The ones that I've mentioned, and probably more. Yeah. Uh, so, if you had to explain to somebody what AI is in like five minutes, what would you be, be your take sure. on it? So, um, I, I would kind of say, you know, AI has been around for a number of years, um, and um, so it, it it it's almost it's always been wrapped up in in another set of buzzwords or something like that. Um, but um, the idea is, you know, with software, we've we've come a long way um, by having these intelligent devices or kind of intelligent devices that can automate a lot of what we would do manually normally. Um, and AI is, it, to me, AI is kind of an evolution of that, where um, it it becomes an agent within an environment that has access to more information about the environment and doesn't need to be told or prescribed what what needs to be done. So there's no one like, you know, 
with a set of instructions like you know saying in the case of robotics you know lift your lift your fifth joint by this much and rotate it by this much at this speed um which is what a lot of software tends to be is a lot of if statements going through all these different uh possibilities and conditions um so I'll first, you know, caution this with the fact that um, in terms of my credentials, I'm I'm currently studying AI at King's College London, and so I'm starting on this journey. But I have, you know, I am I have been reading up on this about AI as a concept, and there's you know AI as a concept, and then there's implementations of AI in a, in a practical sense, and what's actually possible, what's actually possible now, and what could be possible in the future. And generally, I like to think of it as, um, you know, these different evolutions of automated technology. So if we take a car as an example, you know, cruise control has been around for a long time. And you can think of cruise control as just, you know, a simple thing that says, give me a target speed. I'm going to push on the accelerator or, you know, move the car until I reach that speed, irrespective of anything that's happening around me. That's kind of how basic cruise control operates. Um, and then you kind of say, okay, that's kind of pretty much software. There's a condition and it's a, it's making a change until that condition is met. But the condition is very much, you know, given by the user or the human being. Um, and then you get stuff like adaptive cruise control, which is a bit smarter, a bit more intelligent, which then takes your target, uh, you know, speed and then says, okay, what's around me? You know, I can see that there's some object ahead of me traveling at this kind of speed. And therefore, in order to maintain a certain distance for safety or for other reasons, I, you know, I, the, the, the agent or the system has to manage all those different priorities, inputs um, to determine what the best output is. And that kind of comes into the realm of AI, which is this 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 system that is taking in all these different parameters and then trying to achieve a certain outcome and then you get like a subset of ai which is machine learning which is rooted in like statistical analysis looking at previous data and all sorts of data and trying to determine what are the patterns recognizing the patterns and what's the best outcome out of that um, and really it's more about how can we approximate the best decision or best outcome given that as human beings yes we know how to do a lot of things fairly well um and you know such as driving a car but we the way we know that isn't exactly something that we can teach or instill into a computer you know we can't write a set of instructions as i said before you know exactly what is around me and how to detect you know differentiate between the barrier of the motorway and a pedestrian or a traffic light and a traffic cone or a car and a motorbike or a cycle we can't you know say exactly how our eyes you know per perceive that we don't even fully understand it ourselves so that's when there is this kind of data centric approach of looking at lots of different examples and trying to label them and then getting the computer find the pathway to that uh, conclusion if that makes sense yeah, so yeah. that's kind of where i see you know what, what's kind of things are evolving into so with tesla's kind of autopilot approach which you can see in the visualization so whereas we had a cruise control you tell it a target speed and it just you know 
goes for that speed, not caring what's in front of you or whatever. Then you have adaptive cruise control, which is kind of saying, you know, there's something in front of us, so we need to keep a distance. Now, you know, Tesla's autopilot is now looking at identifying exactly what's there through lots of examples of that particular object and then visualizing that or acting appropriately. And that's kind of where the machine learning comes in, taking in lots of data, processing it, and trying to understand the environment better. And I think that's the overall goal um, for that kind of uh, uh, the AI. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, you, you've mentioned the ro robotics and manufacturing as well. That's the, uh, this is like the field that I have not, I don't have much knowledge about, you know, how they manufacture cars obviously but uh, there's been a lot of chat about uh, improving the uh, the manufacturing process using ai and i have no idea how that's you know how that um applies um but su suffice to say so basically if, if i had to summarize what you said we used to have computers that would just um humans would program them using certain conditions using you know an algorithm you know if this and that sort of logic but now we can take even more inputs and produce uh, a bit more uh, uh, the word that i love is fuzzy sort of output which is you know you don't just say one or zero you say anything between one and zero there's prob mm -hmm. probability of of certain outcomes and then you make further decisions based on that and that allows you to to have a bit more you know intelligence i think i'm still kind of I'm not a big fan of of people abusing the word smart or intelligent when it comes to computers and machines because at, yeah. at the end of the day they're very dumb. They are, yes. <laughs> yeah. Or, uh, or and yeah, and and the term smart especially uh, gets put into anything that has some kind of Bluetooth connectivity or something, yeah. which is not true. Uh, yeah, it works with Alexa or you know or Google Home or whatever. Yeah, yeah, which <laughs> yeah. can be smart. It can have smart things, uh, you know, but. It's not, you know, you, you still have to tell it what to do, and, and yeah, yeah. So, uh, do do you think do you think there's going to be more AI technologies pushed into our sort of day to day products, not just cars, but like simple things? I mean, I I know for a fact that you know there's a lot of it happening. Like I use Apple products quite a lot because I I used to be a, an Apple engineer, and the um or working on apple technologies are not not for apple themselves i should i should uh, uh you know make it clear um but i i know that there's loads of things happening under the covers that you don't even know about like the 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 you know uh, suggestions that you sometimes get from the from your phone or from a dictionary even like are based on your previous uh behavior and other things in in the in the system and you know this is like under the covers not kind of in your face this is intelligence whatever uh but is there anything else do you think that's uh, that you're aware of that you know is going to improve with ai in the future yeah so uh, i think a lot of things slowly are becoming um kind of improving um so i know a lot of the things, you know, are, are these recommendation systems um, that look at what you've done previously and then recommend things or give you definitions or help you with your search um, search results. And they can be good and bad. The problem, part of the problem I kind of see with those is they kind of, they reaffirm some of your beliefs or they take you down a rabbit hole where if you like one particular kind of uh political party or one particular ty type of opinion, you'll be recommended 
videos or stuff like that with you know sharing the same kind of opinions so they, there's there's those disadvantages as well but we are seeing because we do see a lot of other benefits so like you know speech recognition has come a long way i remember when i used to use google assistant maybe you know 10 15 years ago and not 15 years ago but like let's say 10 years ago and it was very much you had to speak very clearly um especially with someone who had an accent you had to speak very clearly speak very slowly um for it to understand whereas now you can pretty much say it at your normal pace and um yeah it, it gets what you you know it, it, it at least captures the audio and makes some sense of the structure of the sentence that you're speaking there's still a lot of you know fine tuning left um and i think that's a real big uh, improvement the other one is computer vision so uh, for the last 10 years there's been quite a lot of improvement in having being able to understand and detect different objects in the physical world and personally that's the kind of stuff that i find most fascinating is having these devices that can support you in your day-to-day -day, um, um activities and that interact with the with the physical world so you know nowadays the cameras on our phones are becoming a lot more smarter and currently a lot of that technology is being used in computational photography so you know making your pictures a bit more nice um dealing with low light situations or even letting you remove certain objects out of the photo but what i see in the future is as the sensors get more complicated particularly when they start adding a few more 3d sensors there's an opportunity for you to you know use that as a as a device that can help you figure things out um you know uh figure where you are where you need to go um but also identify different objects around you and and yeah there's lots of different uh, scenarios where having a device that can understand the world better um it can be beneficial um then i like the the other part of it that i'm interested in is is objects that can physically you know work within the environment so the the one that comes to mind is robots and right now the our idea of functional robots is vacuum cleaners so there's robot vacuum cleaners that kind of go around um in homes and they are you know they're pretty primitive but they're a good indication of what can come in the future um and the way i kind of see it is that we're kind of solving dimension problems at different dimensions so right now it's very much at a floor level 2d going up and down or left and right and then we're, we're gonna have to what we're starting to see is is kind of a bit more clever navigation within that environment so there's some companies that can do object detection so it can detect if this is a cable and i need to avoid it this is a a chair leg um and then the you know if you extrapolate a bit further maybe we can have objects that can work in the 3d dimension so maybe it'll have uh, a manipulator an arm of of some sort um so i think so all of this stuff is stuff as consumers we interact with directly but there are other things like you know around us that we're not aware of for example you know factories are a big big one where they they allow for um a lot of processes to be optimized um within within constrained environments so that's the main that's the kind of the big thing is that there's ai with unconstrained environments which is 
can be considered to be quite primitive. So like the robot vacuum cleaners, your smart speakers and all of that. But then there is AI in constrained environments that have maybe a better capability. So the robots in factories, or if you see like what uh, Waymo and have done in California, where they have fully self-driving cars, uh, but in geofence locations. So um, it's just about, I think the biggest challenge is scaling it up and and how you deal with the infinitely complicated world that we somehow managed to traverse um, <laughs> Yeah, well, people sometimes have trouble navigating the real world, or they're scared of it. <laughs> so, if you if you think about a robot trying to navigate that, uh, you know, with much more primitive um, physical controls or physical set of movements and and abilities, a robot doesn't. It's not going to get an idea all of a sudden to do something funky in the middle of the road. It's not going to like hear a nice song in, uh, on his phone and start dancing. You know, this is where I would. Once a robot starts doing that, just on, on its own, without being programmed to do so, I'll be like, "This is an intelligent machine." <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that's your that's bar my... for intelligence. Yeah, yeah. When once they okay. they get start creative, I'll be like, "Yeah, yeah, this is this is intelligence." You know, this is this intelligence in there. Um, what if they create? What if they create something creative by chance? That well, let's say it 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 evokes emotions in you. But it's just it's just putting a but. What if the process isn't creative, but the output is? Is it intelligent? Is it creative in your in your? Uh, no, I don't. Yeah, I don't think that's creative. That wouldn't be creative. That would be just pure accident. I think that this is where you know, like um, when when you have a, a an old piece of junk equipment of some sort or a car that just misbehaves and people say it has a soul. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the accidental creativity. You know, when it's uh, but, you know spills oil in the middle of the road all of a sudden or it stops working i don't think that's creativity yeah i, I think i well i don't know what the actual um wikipedia sort of uh, uh you know or, or en uh, uh, encyclopedian um term for um the dictionary term for intelligence is, but i presume it's like being self-aware right so knowing that you you are there yeah and having sort of internal voices and multiple kind of you know uh, Ability to 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 have an inner voice almost and talk to yourself and reason with yourself and an external world. But I think creativity is one of the outputs of that. So that's what I'm. That's why I'm mentioning sort of dancing in the middle of the road as a sort of example. Yeah, um, not just uh, because not just because one of the cocks got you know a leaf in it and uh, and the rope was just spinning randomly all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, I don't think. Um, so I think. This is a completely made-up term, artificial intelligence. It's oh, yeah. not, and and it's not made by. Uh, I don't think that it's 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 certainly not used by you know philosophers who actually appreciate and understand the meaning or or, or discuss and debate the meaning of intelligence and consciousness. And I prefer not to go in, into those debates. And I think that. Um, I think we definitely need to tone down our expectations or the public need to tone down their expectations of what AI or what robots are. And they're not going to be our friends, at least not in the, the, the human sense or the way that we're used to. But um, I do think that they have some, they will have utility and, and value um, of some sort. Yeah. But, um, and I think, and I, I mean, I'm going to say this and, and some people might not like this. And I, I do think that this is, so, 
you know, Tesla announced the Tesla bot, and I did think that was quite problematic um, because it, it again, it, it again, you know, raises expectations of what's actually possible and what's practical and what's actually useful, um, and and it, especially because it's it's being announced by a company like Tesla who are in the AI space. Um, I think that it can, yeah. Uh, or Elon Musk, in, in, you know, who's, I, I think, I think it's one of Elon Musk. If there's one thing that he's cracked is the uh, ability to overpromise and excite people, and then just deliver about twenty percent of it, and yeah, still make yeah. everyone happy. Yeah, and I think some people would say that's actually okay um, because if it get if it's a means to the end, then it, it, maybe it's okay to oversell. Um, I just. Yeah, I, I just think with robotics in particular, that's it's a real big gap. But um, yeah, I mean, they they didn't even have a real robot on on stage. It was just a human dressed in a thing. I think it was just like the low point of Elon yeah. Musk's presentation. Personally, <laughs> yeah, <maybe laughs> I couldn't it's believe all... it. I was like, this is no seriously, mate. This isn't. I was expecting him to just be like, you know, lift out the mask of the uh, the the thing, and then and we would see an actual robot in, inside and, you know, and, and then he would say, well, yeah, the, all the computers, uh, uh, you know, that actually control him are behind, but we're going to do all everything. Something in this like sort of thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah okay. just, like a puppet. Almost. Yeah. 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 But yeah, I, I think what's, what, what we'll end up seeing, I think I was just, I was just like, no, this, this is just the lowest you could, you could have done, but you know, I, as much as I, I'm excited about everything he's talking about, I've, I've learned over the years to, um, to expect less and less out of him in practice, um, and maybe that kind of made me a cynical person uh, as I am when it comes to Elon Musk. But you know, um, I'm, uh, you I'm, know, I, I should say that my my actual introduction to EVs was Tesla and Elon Musk. So I was a big, I am a big Elon Musk fan. I followed them through SpaceX and then into like Tesla stuff. Um, and I and I and I do, you know, I appreciate him and. I think this is where I'm growing older and realizing that as I was really excited about, you know, all the things that Elon Musk mentioned, uh, I kind of, uh, yeah, I'm a bit more um, cynical as well myself about, um, yeah, the actual end result. But yeah, whatever. There are people like <laughs> this in, in our lives and we, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We, we come across. I mean, um, I, I've worked for so many different businesses because I, I used to, be a contractor pretty much most of my life um and and you when you when you're contracting when you're when you're you know um you, you end up at least in my positions I used, I used to talk to loads of ceos directly or or vps of different kind and they're all kind of like that but the uh but they don't have the the big media microphone you know they say things like that they're very excited about things and they that's their job is to excite everybody and lead um but they don't say that to everybody around them um, mm. because people, you know, when you're a bit more serious about your business, uh, you know that people will, will hold you to that and, you know, you'll be accountable for everything you say. Um, whereas for, for some reason, Elon Musk just does, just gets away with it. Uh, whether it's his personality trait or, or he's just, you know, I mean, he's, he's done plenty to sort of accelerate the the electrification of the uh, the uh, the auto industry, um, and you know, there's no denying that EVs are the future and people actually want to buy them because just look at the sales figures and the supply and the demand. You know, 
there's, there's just way more uh, supply. Oh, sorry, there's way more demand than supply, even now, um, and even for Tesla. Mm-hmm. So you know, it's just we, we we cannot deny that. But at the same do- time, he talks a lot of you know out of his backside. Um, <laughs> yes, uh, it's just you know it's just a fact. Like um, I by now, if I was to believe whatever he said, that we would have robo taxis uh, driving us in Model Three everywhere. Um, I think that's what that's the future we were promised by 2018, if I if I remember correctly. Yeah, it was something <laughs> like that. Um, but I will say that they've done a lot of good things is like um even if they haven't achieved the end goal that the the progress with autopilot has been you know really interesting and and i think positive so um they're taking a different approach in terms of self-driving cars as as some of the others as as it's been well documented um but irrespective of what ends up happening the the team that they have behind them you know because i listened to ai day ai day and i've listened to um the um like previous talks from tesla and tesla's ai team and the the way that they've architected um their ai system the way that they're scaling up their approach with data um you know they have targeted neural networks for a specific um objects and specific sensors and they're able to uh deal with contention with different sensors so if the radar is saying one thing and the vision system saying another which do you trust and how do you handle that and the way that they're able to debug and diagnose some of those problems like it gave me a lot of confidence in them having the capability to to get you know to make big progress in in um not ai not just ai in general but um self-driving cars as well i think that's a great thing like at least there is there is you know it's not just say snake oil behind the salesperson you know there is some good remedies as well so oh yeah i i agree it's uh, you know because you, you've mentioned waymo and some other companies like that what the uh, what nobody thinks about is the, the amount of the sheer amount of uh computing power that these these cars have to have to because they have way too many sensors like the, it's a sensory overload you know uh, you've got lidars cameras radars i don't know what else is in there and they obviously and like i said they have very well mapped environment so they know to the inch or or centimeter you know where the curb is which way the lane goes whereas the tesla has none of that um it's still you know there's still way to go like you wouldn't be able to drive to let it drive Around the um, the Arc de, de Triomphe in 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 Paris on its own, it would just bash into something, or you know, it would get oh, it would it will get rammed by somebody else, um, because it's just not trained in that environment. Although I'm I'm sure somebody somebody's been driving Tesla Model Three around that um, quite a lot, and I'm sure you know they have that data. <laughs> It'll be funny yeah, actually it's to a, see. How, uh, <laughs> but, it's a, a chaotic. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, but, but if you if you imagine the the sort of the curve. Uh, I'm, I'm talking to the listener because I'm, you know, I'm sure you're, yeah, you're aware yeah. of it. But the more sensors you have, the more data you have. So you imagine a, a large sort of wide stream of data, the more processing power you need to to gain the same outcome. Which in in the case of a car, is just you know steering the wheel and then um, and then um, controlling the speed. Those are the, the sort of the two variables you have. Uh, so the, the output is pretty small, pretty simple. 
but you, but you get a, a whole slew of of you know of things you can in, input into it, and that requires a lot of energy. So the more the more inputs you have, the more processing you, you need, the more energy you're going to need. And the um, whenever you see those cars that they uh, show in like demos or whatever, one thing that they don't show is what what's hidden in the trunk of the car, which mm. is usually you know ten or twenty computers that have their own dedicated uh, battery basically to keep it running because it, it you know it takes a couple of kilowatts usually to to keep it all running so i'm 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 at an awe that they they were able to create an architecture that um doesn't require any of that i mean it still requires a lot of uh, power don't get me wrong um but they but it's it's nothing compared to what the uh, uh, other startups had um yeah. so that you know in in computer in computer science, as you as you know very well, and again I'm just talking to to the sort of the the listeners, is architecture and kind of uh, uh, designing the, the architecture, solving architectural problems is like a, the basic foundation of a good product or good you know design is is just having the the sort of the architectural patterns. If you if you if you over engineer something from that sort of ground of from that perspective, it's just not gonna. It's going to cause problems in the future. It's never going to fulfill the the goal that it has. You're um, exactly right. And it's as you scale, the the problems uh, start to multiply. Um, uh, yeah. So that's another you know great thing about Tesla is is the amount of cars that they have testing this stuff um, is is a great advantage and um, does mean you know that they're able to do so many great things with just limited sensors um because of the vast amount of data that they collect um i i personally would like again i don't i'm not an expert or anything like this um but i i know that people often say you know lidar or cameras which one should it be but um what i would personally like to see is you know it's great that they are developing with com- just cameras because it means that they can really strengthen that vision system um but I still would like to see in the future as a redundancy to have a LiDAR system once they become cheap enough to, to put into production vehicles. And I think that is maybe what Tesla will do in the future. Um, but yeah, or maybe they won't need it, but it's just as a redundancy, you always want more safety tech. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I was kind of worried that when they said that the, they're going to phase out the radar in front of the car because if there's you know there's one thing we know about in the environment is that it doesn't you know your vision sometimes fails you it gets dark uh or um or it just rains or there's a fog you know um and you just need that extra data mm-hmm. uh, and also what radar allows them to do is is to have um visibility over you know an object that is that is behind the object in front of them mm-hmm. if there's a lorry in front of you and another car in fr- in front of that lorry you you won't be able to see what's going on there, whereas the radar uh, has proven quite useful in that. So uh, it, uh, I don't know, um, but at the same time, they have to be practical about it. So I think I think there's going to be still. I um, I'm, 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 I am a bit cynical about the uh, the sort of the self driving, the full self driving uh, thing. Um, but before I give you my own thoughts, like what do you think will we see in in your or my lifetime? A self-driving cars that are just norm. Mm, so, uh, well, 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 funny story. So, 
when I was younger, like maybe like 12 or something like that, I remember watching a documentary about self-driving cars. And I remember, so back then, that's when I think cruise control started becoming popular or some form of it. Um, and there was, you know, this documentary and it started up, you know, it's talked about all the different sensors and what goes into making a car self-driving or being able to drive itself. Um, and I remember they had like B clips of cars on the on highways, but the highways were like completely empty. So it was just the self-driving cars on their own. Um, and I remember at the end, they were just like, yeah, this is all, it's all, it's a nice vision of the future, but it's far too complicated um, for it for it to work but the reason why i mentioned that is because still you know 15 years later or whatever this it's it's still a vision so that kind of makes me a bit more cynical and like um we can get really excited about technologies um and we can paint a pretty picture um but there's still a lot of pieces that that need to fall into place for it to come to fruition. And there are far smarter people that are kind of working in those areas and trying to solve those problems. And I don't think it needs to be binary, like will there be or won't there be? I I personally think that there will be. That's just my guess, really, my guesstimate, that in my lifetime I'd hope to, to think that it's a solvable problem. Um, I certainly think that there will be to, to some extent. Um, and I think that's what I'm always kind of thinking about from a utility perspective. Um, we will get cars that will have more assisted systems. Um, and yeah, eventually we will get self-driving cars. I think uh, how that plays out, what path that is, I'd, I'm not sure. Okay. I mean, we, we already have loads of self-driving sort of, pods and stuff available you can go and you know there's multiple companies making them but they what they all rely on is uh, is a private sort of environment that they they don't have to interact with other cars on uh they can mingle with you know other pods of the same type or uh or pedestrians but they can't really mingle very well with uh, uh with just uh cars so do you think that will require and obviously there's, there's things like dlr in london um that is self-driving system but again it's a it's a train on the tracks so uh there's some parts of the tube i think that are self-driving as well okay. um but do, do you think do you think um we will see those self-driving cars kind of um um with regular cars quote-unquote on the road human human driven cars or do you think it will be you know separate roads just for uh, self-driving cars how do you think mm. that's going to pan out? Which way do you think it should go? I think for, again, to scale, I think that it needs to be the two together. I don't think we can start building separate roads for autonomous um, pods. Maybe we decommission some roads and ban human-driven cars. Um, I think there will be a period where, assuming self-driving cars happen, and, and I'm, this is me saying that they're on public roads, you know, essentially doing the same trips that someone driving the car would be doing. Um, I think there will be a period where there might be some problems um, with the two working together, but I think that it will economically become um, more sensible to just have all of them be self-driving. 
And I think that that will drive most people's decisions to just not drive themselves for most of the time, such that it won't be a problem um, of having the two mixed together. I'm sure there are some solutions that, you know, they talk about vehicle to vehicle communication um, and the idea that even if a human's driving, there will be enough communication between cars that can, um, you know, provide the self-driving cars with enough information to deal with, with any um, conflicts. But um, the other point I wanted to say, like, whatever happens, like, I think the, the reason why I say the two have to mix together, because for to get really get the benefits of self-driving cars, I think that you kind of you can't have like a halfway in between if that makes sense yeah. um and i think people will be demanding you know self-driving cars once they experience it um and i and i try and think of this as like in a thousand years time what technology will people remember because they're not gonna remember um i'm trying to think they're not gonna remember they're not going to remember the iPhone. Uh, maybe Apple will still be around or whatever, but they're not going to remember iPhone specifically. And although there, it plays a big part in our life at the moment, the, the fundamentally like what it brought to us versus a mobile, a normal mobile phone, um, was isn't that much different. Um, it allows us to connect and communicate in more rich ways, but fundamentally being able to speak to people around the world, it's still the same thing. Same with the switch between petrol and electric cars you know i don't think that a thousand years from now they'll remember the specific engines driving the cars um i think they'll remember this kind of whole green uh era or whatever um but self-driving cars i do think that that's a technology that can fundamentally shift a lot of things around us you know how we get deliveries what we do inside cars where we sleep you know that there's ideas that you could uh, have a hotel room that then turns into a car or vice versa and like uh th this idea of like autonomous moving platforms could yeah can lead to same with virtual reality i think that would be another thing this idea of spending more time and having more different types of experiences in the digital world would be something that's going to be remembered in a thousand years. So, um, I want to ask you, what do you think we'll remember in a thousand years? Wow, it's very hard to answer that question because <laughs> the uh, uh, like, uh, if, if you think about it, what what do we remember from thousand years ago? Um, you know, we don't remember. There's there's a, there's a lot of technology that we just don't remember uh, anymore because it was needed to solve problems that existed at the time that we no longer have right um we we now have completely different types of types of clothes and buildings that we live in the, uh, there were loads of jobs that required at the time and, and technologies that aided those jobs that we would just look at now and be like this is just primitive and completely unnecessary <laughs> yeah um, but i think i think you know um i don't know i personally when it comes to uh, self driving cars i'm 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 going to be very cynical about it because the uh, I think it won't. I think the problem is too hard to be solved at the moment, and we just need to simplify it. And mixing cars on the road is, you know, like if we today decided, as a sort of say in the UK, we would wake up and be like, uh, you know, in a month we're going to ban all cars driven by humans. It's, from now on, it's just self-driving cars. 
it is it would be possible if we if we all had access to the car that could test drive it as well as sort of you know the latest sort of tesla and that tech was was um available everywhere i mean this is going to be sort of not funny funny joke but if you could just buy it for a fiver from china um and stick it in your car uh it would be possible and this is the sort of the level of you know um I'm, i can't find the word but the, uh, the the it would it would have to be everywhere and it would have to be available fairly cost efficiently um for it to be uh, to be you know viable and there's companies now that can do that uh apart from tesla you know there's companies like coma ai um that i've seen recently uh, uh their interview on the transport evolved which was interesting mm-hmm. um which is another channel that you know everyone should actually go and subscribe and watch because uh, mm-hmm. they have some good content in there um so i don't think it's just up to musk to to you know to lead us that way i think i think definitely yeah. self driving cars are much simpler than we think but we just have to remove the human factor mm. from the equation because that it complicates everything like the, the the reason roads are very complicated is to stop people bashing into things uh, and to slow down people and make them aware of you know mm. anything on the road mm. and we once you have a machine that can um self drive you 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 can, you can get rid of all not all of it but like a lot of those things mm. And have you know just Bluetooth tokens or whatever or QR codes everywhere or whatever it would be that would be far simpler and you know the, uh, a camera on the car uh, is not going to miss a sign mm-hmm. um, unless it's been painted over. Mm. Whereas human is going to miss that sign. Um, mm. You know you get distracted all the time. We forget that cars are heavy and kill, that they're you know fast killing machines. Even the, even a little puddly car that you buy, you know. For your grandma, it's heavy enough to kill somebody uh, mm. if you're not unca- if you're not careful. So, and and again, you know, a human's going to miss things. The robot's not going to do it. So, I think I think once you know, if that was if that event was so, sort of to happen, I think that would have been remembered as a sort of transition. But until un- until we sort of, I don't know. It's, it, the trouble is, we we can't just tell everybody, look, you can't drive a car from today. Uh, you know, people will revolt, revolt, and especially if they're expensive like you, you yeah, mentioned yeah. a good point yeah yeah I, I think that's the problem and and certainly having a startup that sticks 50 sensors on the car and has you know 20 computers in a boot i don't i think that just goes nowhere that's that might be a good research for for your you know university but i think that those companies are personally i think they're wasting money um but that's just my my take on it you know i'm sure they're learning something along the way and i'm sure there's something coming out of it but it's not self-driving technology mm. um, because you know we don't buy things just because they're complex. We we like things that are simple and for better or worse, cheap or affordable. I, th- I should mm-hmm. say because uh, there's a there's a level at which things are too cheap and they just they're useless. They pretend to do certain jobs, but the uh, but, but there's a sweet spot. And I think Tesla is just way too expensive for most people uh, around the world to you know to solve that problem. Mm. Um, but you know they're doing amazing things so you know i'm not gonna like at least in the uh, ai space i think you know um i think i think the you know that that yeah they're certainly leading it mm. um and i don't know um another th- i don't know what else you know people are going to remember maybe if we do something more about you know um removing the 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 uh 
I, th- I think certainly we're going to remember the fact that there was a dirty period in the uh, in the in the yeah. uh, you know industrial revolution and the sort of the, the the first the first couple hundred years probably or or, or not a couple hundred years but the first fifty hundred years were dirty because that's the only thing we could do. Yeah, um, I mean, I was listening, I was watching a a, a, docu- a, a, um, a documentary, some sort of a travel show the other day, and they were mentioning an island off coast of Africa, whatever it was called, doesn't matter. Um, but they were saying that there was loads of Brits in 1920s, 30s going there for holidays to escape the smoke of the uh, the Industrial Revolution. <laughs> that was like, you know, the, 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 the posters was just basically saying people, the, cl- the air is clean here. I mean, <laughs> if people didn't caught on to that back then, you know, like, mm. <laughs> uh, I, I think that, I think that, that, um, that could be something that is well remembered in the future because we we certainly remember tragic things uh, along the way. So if anything worse comes out of the the climate change you know crisis, uh, I think that that will be will be remembered. Um, I mean, you know, we, there might be no no humans in a thousand years on on the planet. The planet's going to be fine, but the uh, but might, there might be no humans. In which case, you know, uh, we'll see how that goes. Uh, this this actually turned very dark all of a sudden. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I just I just you know. The the longer I live, the the more uh, uh, the less appreciation I have for human uh, uh, humans being smart and just everyone just seems to be doing whatever everybody else is doing instead of uh, instead of doing the the sort of the things that actually will solve everybody else's problems. Uh, and so we we need we need some sort of a revolution. And 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 I think you know Elon Musk is leading the way when it comes to um, AI at least uh, on in cars. So I mm-hmm. you know I, I salute him for that. Mm-hmm. Um, Anyway, do you want to? Do you have anything else you want to uh, say? Because I, I, this this went very dark all of a sudden, and I just wanted no, to. No, 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 that's fine. Um, so, okay, let, let's let's just turn this around a little bit, and the, let's talk about the uh, the charging network in the UK. I've I've already mentioned the fact that you're uh, you're well known for you know giving updates uh, about that, and uh, and you know there's a lot of good happening about it. So I'll I'll let you take over. Yeah, no. So it's uh, there's a lot of investment going in, and. Uh, I think especially the next year or two will be quite quite exciting. I mean, if we look at just GridServe, um, you know, a year ago, they hadn't even bought the electric highway. It was Ecotricity, and I avoided all the service stations. Um, and now, you know, I can confidently, not confidently, actually, I can turn up to most of them. And and the, the biggest worry is normally that they're busy. Um, and someone's charging um, on on there f- until like hundred percent or whatever. Um, but so so I think in the future we'll see more hubs popping up, um, and then you know there's a lot of discussions about consumer experience. So um, what what other things that we can provide to to the user so that they you know just feel more confident. So one of the issues that comes up up quite a bit is like when you get to a charger. And it says 150 kilowatts, and you plug in, and for whatever reason, either the charger or the car, you get you know you only get 50 or 40 kilowatts, something like that. So, you know, there's 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 a need for more information um, to to the given to the user. I know that Kempower is starting to to be deployed with Osprey, and they have on their devices it actually tells you what the vehicle is is um asking for um and 
again, this is kind of, it becomes this like frag fragmented experience. Um, and it comes down to data, like funnily enough, like the way that the cars talk to the charger, the way that the chargers talk to the back office, the way that different manufacturers develop the CCS implementation, the way that the different charging hardware manufacturers develop the communication between the car and the charger, and then the car and the CPO's back office, which can be different across you know, different companies. And it's a bit of a mess. And it, it brings back to you know, the whole idea of like architecture and you can have all this functionality, but if there's no cohesive like coordination, it can become a mess. And so what I'm interested in is, you know, a future where even if we have enough chargers or reliable chargers and all that, just something that can tie everything up and and mean that I can ideally in my car I can say I want to go to this location and it automatically pulls in all the data from all the different charge point operators and says you know there's five of these and they do ccs which your car supports your state of charge is going to be this much when you get there um and the let's say you know the reliability of that site is good the amount of power it's currently drawing in is is also good so we're going to route you through there and then you know you get there you you don't have to definitely you don't need to pull out your phone and use an app unless you want to <laughs> um, Ideally, you don't need to use a contactless terminal. You just plug and charge, um, and then you know that that gets billed to 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 whatever you want. Um, but then also, what's important is that charge session. The data that we can pull from that, you know, that it's this this particular type of car, what the charge curve should be, and what it could be, or and what it isn't, um, and how that feeds into you know how reliable a, a charging um a specific charger is like that whole connected that's what i would kind of say is smart not not necessarily intelligent but smarter you know the idea that we can um pull in all this different information and provide an experience that offers the, you know the best experience possible but we're nowhere near there you know no. i just wanted to mention <laughs> that yeah I, yeah that would be amazing but i, I there are cars that can do that. Um, Tesla can, within certain parameters, do that with, with their own superchargers. But it's not perfect. I've driven Tesla enough times to know that sometimes you turn up at the, at the charger and there's two stalls, and but they're both taken. And the, the car specifically told me to drive that way. Oh, um, okay. <laughs> and uh, even though there was you know another site 10 miles up a road with 10 stalls and probably... More more chances of them being empty, or some of them being available, um, and then obviously you get slow charging speeds on Teslas as well, especially the older models. Um, Polestar Two, I think, is trying, trying to, do, to do that. Yeah, yeah, but obviously, the, then you have the the other side of it, which is the um, the fact that the chargers are quite dumb. You know, they they do have all the data, but they're not showing it to the user. They're not sharing it with anybody. If they're sharing it with the back office, it would be great like online uh, but usually they just store the logs and ship them over overnight um and uh and certainly the um the charging uh, point operators cpos they don't want to share that data with anybody else so you know there's just there's so many different variables there's so many different things that would have to fall in place and cynics would say we don't need any of that when we're driving petrol cars why can't we just get the same 
think to which I would say, you know, this is like horse versus, uh, you know, bicycle sort of exp- difference. I don't want to go, you know, like, because it's a completely, it's pears and apples. Like, it's, mm. uh, you know, yeah, the only thing that these two cars have um, uh, uh, common with each other is the uh, four wheels and the steering wheel. <laughs> the, yeah. the rest of it is a yeah. completely different experience. Yeah. And, and we certainly will never get cars that charge in five minutes because the other, you know, unless physics changes. Uh, but that's just my... Yeah. And but, and I think the the other point is that, you know, you're comparing technology that's maybe five, ten years in its maturity, and not just technology, the infrastructure as, as well, with something that's being built up over a hundred years. You know, I'm sure yeah. in the early days of a petrol car, people did have these kinds of concerns like, oh, you know, what if I want to fill up and then buy something from the shop? Do I have to go to a separate location? Or, you know, what if there's multiple types of fuel and and all of that kind of stuff so i mean it, it wasn't until about 50s in america that people started driving cars or, or regular you know uh, uh earthlings could or just common people could actually afford a car yeah but before that everyone was walking using public transport you know the certainly the, like the the railway networks in, in the world were much more prevalent and and popular and then car kind of started replacing it in 60s so you know things used to be completely different and uh and the first cars were electric at the beginning because that was actually easier to uh to deliver uh back then mm. <laughs> do, do you know how do you know how um how people used to buy quote unquote or fill up back in a day with the uh, fuel or with uh, yeah with, with petrol, petrol. yeah oh, okay do you know um, how they used to obtain petrol was it like they burned the coal in their house or something like that? Or no, um, petrol used to be available in pharmacies. Ah, okay. So you just have you bought you bought it in little jugs, okay, or little yeah. bottles, yeah. And that that's how much petrol you would have. So you know, <laughs> and th- those were the cars that were like you know thousands of, hundreds of thousands of pounds in today's money, and they burned fast, mm. and they were you know. So uh, yeah, nobody cared back then. And obviously, that that if you compare this to the the transition that we're having now, we're leaps and bounds <laughs> like, <laughs> ahead. Exactly. And I think I do think similarly. You know, even in ten, twenty years, the way that the technology will evolve, evolve either on the car side or on the charger side, it's not going to be something we think about. So either we'll have you know more home charging and longer range battery cars. So I'm not a fan of those. Or the charging will be a bit quicker, and um, we don't need to know if a car charger is available, but because the chances are there are enough of them, um, and they're reliable, and they charge quick enough that by the time you get there, you might have to wait for a few minutes or whatever. Or it could just be you know wireless charging or whatever it could be in 50 years time. Yeah. Um, yeah. So rightfully, like I don't think it's a I think it's an inherent thing about electric cars as a concept that means it's an inconvenient or anything like that. But people mm. see that because they're just, they're just, I actually think they're more convenient. Um, I don't like driving to a petrol station. Like even if I go to a service station, if I want to go and eat something in, you know, one of the shops, I have to do that first and then I have to go to the petrol station and then I have to actually hold it and fill it up and then I have to pay a lot. So, um, but just going on to the point of, yeah, a lot of pieces have to fall in to get this kind of dream experience. Um, I'm aware that the government is, OZEV are looking into 
data and and the challenges around that and hopefully um they will they're exploring the idea of having kind of enforcing some of this um stuff to do with yeah, data sharing yeah. and stuff so that's yeah i i, I think there's gonna have to be loads of sort of enforcement and regulation for for people to talk to each other because at the moment it's just wild west and uh that you know sadly never works <laughs> yeah uh, and so... and even how you measure the data can differ so you know what do you count as a successful charge? Is it yes. being able to start the charge? Is it a certain amount of power delivered? Or is it a certain rate achieved? Like all these things. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I've, I've, I'm sure you've done the same as well. I, there's definitely been times when I've been on the ChargePoint operator's app and it's saying that a unit is available. And then I go there and on the screen it says out of order. Yeah. And it's like, what kind of metric or communication are they using to determine? Yeah. So. Yeah, it's it's funny. Like you know, they're, they're all talking. Everyone's we're we're talking about intelligence and you know, or even smartness. And if things, if if two devices can talk to each other and actually successfully exchange <laughs> a piece of information about what the status is, <laughs> that's not very smart. <laughs> no. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's very interesting. I mean, we, I'm sure we could we could have gone. For much longer, but uh, you know, I'm, I'm conscious of your time. Yeah, um, no worries. Um, thank you. No, it's been a real pleasure. Um, I did want to mention some of the work I'm doing with the Electric Vehicle Association, England, if that's okay. Yeah, yeah. So, as you, you know, some of your listeners, well, hopefully, a lot of your listeners will be aware that um, Electric Vehicle Association England is a um, community interest company. Um, and it was set up to try and provide EV drivers a voice, um, particularly when it comes to deciding on different government uh, policies, um, working with different industry members. Um, and I think that up until now, it's been really hard to get traction with some of these ideas that we all have, these experiences that we have. Um, and so I came across EV England like when they were setting up and I've been volunteering with them since September, and I, I do feel like there there is a lot of potential there to really push for some of these things. And I feel like it's important for a diverse set of voices to be at the table. And if, as the EV drivers, we're not represented well enough, we kind of end up um, getting an experience that's very much designed by CPOs or OEMs and stuff like that. So the fact that there is this in England and there is, um, you know, a similar body in, in Scotland and Northern Ireland, um, I think it's a positive thing. And I just wanted to use this opportunity to just mention it and have a look at the website, um, evaengland.org.uk. Right. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure there's going to be more about it in the future episodes of this podcast. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not to, I don't disclose my future plans. But, you know. <laughs> right. So thank you, Mas. Thank you, man. It's been re a real big pleasure and it's always great to talk to you. And I'm honored that you would think I'm worthy enough for the podcast, but um, thank you. Yeah. I'm, I mean, you're an institution when it comes to the uh, the community. So, you know, I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'm sure I would get protested if I didn't feature you at some point. So thanks. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Well, that's it for the show. Thank you, Maz, for appearing and uh, giving us a bit of your time. I hope you've all enjoyed it. If you're listening 
up to this point, you're awesome. Um, don't forget to subscribe, smash that like button, start the show, give us a review, and you know all that good stuff. Subscribe everyone in your family. I need more subscribers. Anyway, uh, March might be a bit, a bit of a bit more quiet month for episodes. So thank you for listening and.